We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, happy Monday, and how you doing? Not doing too bad, Jared. How about you? I'm not doing too bad. I'm excited to talk a little bit, bit of baseball. No guest yet. I know we promised guests like all the time, but next episode we're going to have guests. It's going to be super, ex- I'm super excited to talk to him about everything that he does. So tune in for that next time. So if you're looking for a guest, just don't even listen to this anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Continue to listen to this. We have a, a lot of fun, interesting things to talk about here in the Angels baseball world. So Nate, I like to start it off with a question. Everybody already knows this, but what do you think about Justin Upton playing first base? That's not the question. I just want to kind of get your thought on that. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't mind it as long as... Uh... This is not an everyday thing. Like I think if if he's playing only against tough lefties to give Walsh a day off, and that's basically his role, it it hurts that you know it feels like we we have Albert Pools 2.0. We're paying a lot of money for a guy um, to only hit against lefties. But you know if if he can hit 250 and hit 15, 20 bombs, you know it, I guess we'll be okay with that. Okay, so kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Albert Pujols thing because we know that Albert went to uh, Los Angeles, the Dodgers, and he started raking against lefties. I mean, that wasn't really a mysterious thing. We knew he could hit lefties well, and it seemed like a really good platoon opportunity. And that's my question for you. Do you think the Angels need to platoon at first base? Um, I, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I, I don't think it needs to be a straight platoon where it's like, hey, we're, we're facing uh, a lefty who's like 88, 90 with average off-speed pitch. Like, let Walsh play in that situation. But, you know, if we're facing a Chris Sale type of guy or, or a Kershaw type of guy that's going to be tough on lefties, um, I, I think it makes the most sense to, to let um, Upton or, or whoever it may be. Maybe it's Mark Canna, who I, I've heard the, a lot of Angel fans would love to see. Um, 
you know, somebody like that, it would be nice. But I don't think it needs to be a direct platoon where it's like, oh, we see a lefty starting Walsh, you're not playing. I do. I think it needs to be like that, only because the 2021 numbers. And, and this stat was brought to my attention that Jared Walsh hit, had a 166 WRC plus against right-handed pitching, which majority of the pitching that you're going to face is going to be righties, and that's totally fine. Jared Walsh then had a 44 WRC plus against left-handed pitching. For those who don't know, uh, the average is 100 on WRC plus. That's the league average, and and Jared Walsh was far below. He was a 52% lower on against lefties, whereas Justin Upton had a 130 WRC plus against left-handed pitching when he played. I know that's limited at bats, but still 130 is 130, and that's probably what you're going to get with him at first base, if that is a thing. And then second, Taylor Ward had a 137 WRC plus against left-handed pitching, and we know that he can play basically everywhere. Honestly, he he can play everywhere on the diamond. I don't know if I would trust him at shortstop. I don't know if I would trust him at catcher anymore, but you know that he could play those positions if needed. So I don't doubt that he could play first base. And that is where I think that the platoon should definitely come in against left-handed pitching. And I think that that makes Jared Walsh all that more of a, I think that makes him a better player at the end of the day, if he can only face right-handed pitching. And I know that puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage, but I think it's definitely something that needs to be thought about rolling into 2022 is do you platoon Jared Walsh and say Justin Upton or Taylor Ward or I mean you even mentioned Mark Canna who I think Mark Canna is a lefty anyways right. but reg- left. yeah he does he, he is a very good hitter against left left-handed pitching I went and looked at his stats and yes he, he does rake left-handed pitching in it and it would make a lot of sense to to have him platoon there and also find a spot in the outfield but I, I definitely think that it's something that needs to be thought about moving forward is there, there needs to be some type of platoon or the angels need to work their way they need to find somebody who hits right-handed pitching or left-handed pitching a lot better than what jared walsh did at first base and i know that this is probably on the back burner of everybody's thoughts and and such like that but just because jared walsh was an all-star last year and and deservingly so he deserved to be an all-star but i think it needs i think it needs to be thought about right yeah, absolutely. I I just would be curious to see like how many of those numbers against lefties came against like legit southpaws. You know what I'm talking about? Like really, really good lefties, or or were most of them coming against you know um, a guy like Cole Irvin who doesn't have overpowering stuff and and just has kind of good enough stuff because he did hit ten homers against lefties. It wasn't like he was absolutely lost against lefties. His, Obviously, you look at it, he, he did not have that good of a year against lefties. Um, but how much of it came after the injury and how much of it came against really tough lefties? Like, I, I agree. I think that he needs to be sat against really tough lefties. But against a guy who's got average stuff or, or below average stuff, like, I think I'd be willing to roll the dice with him over – a Taylor Ward or a Justin Upton, just because of what we've seen from those guys the past couple of years. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. It's it's difficult for me. It really is. I, I like the platoon option. I think it makes, I think it makes Jared Walsh a better player at the end of the day <laughs> uh, when you look at it. So, it, and and if it's Justin Upton that is 
able to play first base. I know that's been a thought in Angels fans' head for a while for a while now. Ever since we thought, you know, oh, Brandon Marsh or and Jared Walsh or and Joe Adele are going to be those guys. I think I think Upton needs to have an opportunity at first base, and and heck, who knows? It could revitalize him, and it also makes him more expandable in a sense. Like if he was able to play first base, and the Angels might be able to find some type of trade partner for him. And and I know that's getting late into where we're at because he's never played a major league game at first base. I don't think, I don't think he's ever played a professional game at first base and I could totally be wrong, but yeah, I, I think that it's very interesting and it was an interesting idea that was, that was brought, you know, to my attention. So I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it needs to be thought about. I definitely do. I, I don't think it needs to be right now thought about, but I think that, you know, at some point I wouldn't mind seeing Justin Upton at first base. And I'll, I'll say that now. I know Justin Upton hasn't been the best, but if you can find a way to get him hot and keep him hot, because I know that's your issue with Justin Upton, is that he is the streakiest hitter in all of baseball, and I don't disagree with you. But if you can find his strength and you know really work towards that, like the Dodgers did, I think that's I think that's what the Dodgers do well. I think the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, I think I think good teams do that. I think good teams find the strengths of players and they uh, make it so that they are the best at that strength. You know, like this is where the Angels haven't been good lately. And I think that it really shows like Albert Pujols going to the Dodgers and just hitting left-handed pitching and batting like 300 and playing well. And and, I mean, Albert Pujols was in the playoffs and he will probably find a spot to play next year because he can hit left-handed pitching for some Strange reason, the Angels couldn't figure that out, and they couldn't keep him happy, and, and they kind of lost a good opportunity you know, to play a, a future Hall of Famer. So I don't know. I think that this is where the Angels lack. I think the Angels need to find the strengths of their players, like the Dodgers do, <laughs> and you know, really push for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. The biggest concern that I would have with Justin Upton playing first base is how much does he take away defensively. I know Walsh is, um, I guess, average defensively at best at first, but like if Justin Upton is below average at first base, we already know we have a problem defensively. Like, How much of an issue does that bring? And we need to get better defensively. And does Justin Upton playing first base make us better defensively? I mean, I don't know if it can make, it, make us worse, but um, because he, he's bad in, in left field. But if he is dropping, you know, easy things that a normal first baseman would get, whether it's uh, pick plays or uh, or just routine outs, like I, I would hope that he can he can do that. But you never know. Finding first base is not the easiest spot to play. I know everyone thinks you can just throw anyone over there, but it, it's not for someone who's not used to it. Yeah, I mean, you look around the league, and and there aren't very many good first basemen. If that is, is that weird to say that there's not a lot of good first basemen anymore. No, it's definitely a position that's been down um, lately, and I, I think part of it is because you're you're seeing a lot of guys who um, a lot of guys aren't being taken as first basemen uh, in the draft. You're seeing a lot more guys who are taken as you know corner outfielders, middle middle guys, and it's like oh he's six four shortstop, like we can put him at first and. It's not easy because guys aren't that guys aren't that good defensively at first base when they've never played it before, and it's something that they really have to learn how to play. Um, 
So yeah, there there haven't been that big power first baseman lately. Um, but I mean, I think you're going to start to see some young kids like Spencer Torkelson and guys like that. There are some young kids that play first base pretty well. Um, and I don't know if Torque's going to play first or third, but I, I think he makes more sense at first, but whatever. Torque's the third baseman. I'm just kidding. I, I don't know where he's going to play. He's an absolute stud, though. So I'll leave us with this at first base. I kind of saw I saw this on Instagram. It was kind of interesting. Do you know why they, when you know, they throw it around the horn, they miss first base? I did see that, too. It's a, it's a tribute to Lou Gehrig. Right? Super interesting. Did. Didn't know that. That was all. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram, and that was kind of cool. I don't know if – I have to assume that's true. Like, there's no way that it's – that's just, like, the weird things in, in baseball that don't make sense. Like, why would you miss first base? But now I guess it kind of makes sense. It, it, it's because when Lou Gehrigson was sick – or Lou Gehrigson. Lou Gehrig was sick, He they the Yankees would skip him at first base, and then it just continued over. You know, everybody just started doing it and kind of paying, paying um, respects to Lou Gehrig. So – that's pretty cool. Kind of interesting. So, guys, thanks for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos. Really do appreciate it. If you could, go subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave us a review, whether it's good or bad. If you want to join us for some talking fans, shoot us a message wherever you are listening to this, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're listening to it. Shoot us a message on on any of those, and, and we'll get you on here to talk some Angels baseball with us. And you can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims, and you can follow Nate on Twitter at NateGreen34. So, Nate, you know it's really, really slow when Jeff Passan hasn't tweeted in two plus days in the offseason. Yeah. That's, that's how slow it is. It's 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 brutal. I'll tell you that much. Like I just keep going on to Passan and hoping that he's gonna tweet something or Rosenthal hasn't tweeted in a day plus, Heyman hasn't tweeted in a day about baseball stuff. And and it's it's tough. Like the last move that was made was Milwaukee trading for my, Michael Brocious, I think is how you pronounce his name. And yes. yeah, that that's cool. You know, good good for them. But I mean, we do have a little bit of Angels news here. And I think we have something that we can kind of talk about for a few minutes here. And that's that the Angels got a new athletic trainer. I believe his name is Mike Frostand, I think is how you say his name. And that's a big thing. I think right now that that was one of the big things that needed to be addressed and that Perry and staff brought up after the season. And we, I mean, we've talked about it with Jacob. Jacob wrote that article uh, about the angels injuries and, you know, talked about it with Taylor Blake Ward. We talk, we, we've talked about this quite often. And I don't know if this is the, I don't know if this is the answer, but I mean, you got to change it up and try something, right? Absolutely, and I, I don't know if this is the answer either, but we're going to find out how much of an impact that this could possibly make for the Angels. I think um, you look at where he was at. He was with Atlanta. Atlanta had some a couple injuries, and they were, they were all freak incidents. You know, it's not like we were seeing um, a, a bunch of, like, similar injuries. You know, we're seeing torn ACL jumping up against the fence. We're seeing a torn Achilles, things like that. But the one interesting thing that, that I liked about what Atlanta did is they were willing to try things that, that maybe other orgs had not done before. Um, you know, they, they had their top pitching prospect, um, planking on his name right now, missed the entire year. And 
he had a torn Achilles, and they tried a surgery that has not been done in Major League Baseball before. It worked, and then he he injured he got injured again, similar similar injury. But it's something that most teams are not willing to do. Most most teams are like, well, we've been doing it this way for you know twenty, fifty, whatever, however many years they've been doing this for, depending on the team, and they just are like, we're not changing. So I, I like the fact that they're that he is willing to do things that other teams have not been willing to do. Absolutely. I mean, when it when it comes to this, and I mean, you know, this as a as a coach as well. It's a lot of trial and error at the end of the day, you know, and, and, and that might sound weird and that we're just kind of guessing at things, but that's honestly what it is. Like, how often do you go to one of your players and try something and say, hey, you know, if this doesn't work, you know, bang it. You know, this isn't this isn't the process that we're going to go through. So I think I did that like on a daily basis. Like, and that was one of the big things that I learned, like about coaching and such like that. Not that athletic training is coaching, but you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a lot of trial and error, and I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens with the Angels' injuries. I, I don't know if it's going to make a big difference because I also feel like it's a lot of fluke stuff. But I mean, there's been things you know that are really weird that you know we can't figure out. You know, like we talked about all these injuries, they just don't make sense for this many years in a row. Like I feel like every single year we talk about like this team is good enough to go to the playoffs and then injury, 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 injury. It's, it's like a broken record. It's, it's the definition of insanity, you know? So yeah, I, I'm all for it. It's very interesting. I don't know what the difference is going to be. I don't know if we're going to see a big difference minus hopefully players stay healthier longer. Uh, but yeah, you know, it'll, it'll just be interesting when it's all said and done. So a little more angels news here. The angels, are bringing back Gerardo Reyes, the flamethrower that they got from San Diego in exchange for Jason Castro at the 2020 trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken. He tore his uh, he tore his UCL, uh, had Tommy John during spring training, but I think that's a big arm. I, I had him making the opening day roster last year, and I'm excited for him to come back and kind of see what he does. He's going to hit triple digits, hopefully still. I know that the first year back from Tommy John isn't always the best, and... You know, him and his command wasn't the best anyways, but it's still an interesting piece, and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table when it's all said and done, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's, we talk about this all the time, how how uh, bullpens can change so quickly, where you have guys who come out of nowhere really good for a year or two, and then you know, after that, they're not that good, so... It's just good to have as many arms as you can to just find a guy who can get outs. And if if he can get outs for us, I think it's going to be a, a good thing because he throws really hard. He's got good stuff. Um, the biggest question mark is can, can he throw strikes? And that's going to be the hardest thing for him to do because coming off Tommy John, that's the last thing that comes back is the accuracy. So. But but good to see a guy who, who throws hard who's going to be able to throw you know six, seventh inning not necessarily the back half of the game, but be able to get some important outs. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we'll say it all. We'll, we'll say it every single day when we talk about the bullpen. The bullpen's volatile. You don't know what you're going to get from the bullpen. So, you know, the Angels could have the best bullpen in baseball next year, and we could, you know, not have to talk about it, or the Angels could have the worst bullpen in baseball next year, and we're going to continue to talk about it. Regardless, the Angels had one of the best bullpens in baseball last year. When you look at fan graphs and everything, not when you look at ERA and such, and I know that this is kind of where it gets confusing, but I truly believe that the Angels had one of the better bullpens in baseball. Top 10, 
you know, top 12 in, in baseball. So, yeah, you know, I got, I'm excited to see. I, I kind I trust Perry with a bullpen. I trust what he's doing, and and you know, he he earned my trust with the bullpen. Now he's got to earn the trust with the rotation. He's got to earn the trust with with uh, with what he does on the offensive side of things. But you know, that's trending in the right direction, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the offensive side of things is pretty easy when you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon. So as long as you can keep those guys healthy, I mean, the offensive side should be pretty easy. Absolutely. So one thing we haven't talked about yet today and kind of interesting when it comes to the Angels is the coaching staff. One name that has been brought up, and I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of names that are going to be brought up in the upcoming days and weeks when it comes to the coaching staff. But one name is Phil Nevin. So Nate, I think we kind of are on the same page here with this one where we both don't like him. As a third base coach, he had the most guys thrown out at home plate which is never good for the Yankees. And the big crucial one that happened, I think, in the, was it the uh, wild card game? Wild card. Yeah. Red Sox. That wasn't even, that That was one of the worst, you know, coaching things I've ever seen in my life. That play. Yeah. I, it, it, it was brutal. It's, it's tough. Uh, he was tied with Kansas City. I think Kansas City had the, the same amount of guys thrown out of the play, but you count the wild card game and, uh, the Yankees let all baseball and guys run out home plate, which is an issue. Um, I, I think that he comes from a, a background of, of being in the Yankees org, and the Yankees usually do a pretty good job of, of having good coaches. And uh, interesting name that got brought up for the Yankees, which I have not heard for the Angels, and I think it's obviously because of um, the GM, because the GM usually has guys who, who he likes, but Eric Chavez is a guy whose name has been brought up for the Yankees to replace Phil Nevin. And that would be an interesting name to, to see if the Angels could bring him back um, to coach. But I know that it's a big deal about who the GM is and who he has trust in. Yeah, Eric Chavez was a candidate for the managerial job when Brad Osmus got the job for the Angels. So, yeah, definitely a name that's interesting. And, and you know that he has that coaching background background for sure so but I think when it comes to Phil Nevin we're on the same page however can I make an argument for Phil Nevin I mean it wouldn't be our show if we didn't uh, have have this absolutely so remember when we talked about the Angels needing some type of edge yeah that's true Phil Nevin does have the edge he definitely has the edge I mean how many times did we see him get tossed in games like I feel like it was once a week that we saw Phil Nevin going ham on on umpires and Phil Nevin plus Brett Gardner would kind of be cool. <laughs> Here's my one counterpoint to to Phil Nevin having an edge. Part of that is because Aaron Boone allows him to have an edge because Aaron Boone has an edge. I mean, one of the most famous um, arguments or, or tosses in the last five years has been Aaron Boone getting tossed for for saying he's got savages in the box. You know, so because he's got that edge. I think it allows Phil Nevin to have the edge. Joe Madden doesn't really come across that way. I know he, he ran into some arguments early um, in the 2020 season when, you know, the short season where they had the exact same umpires for, it, it felt like, two weeks straight. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one reason why Phil Nevin has that edge is because Aaron Boone allows him to have that edge because Aaron has that edge himself. Yeah, I, I agree. I see what you're saying as, as well on that point. I just thought it was kind of interesting 
you know, I, I wanted to bring up a counterpoint to that. I think that I don't want Phil Nevin. I really don't. Like, there aren't too many coaches that you look around and you're like, yeah, you know, no, let's not go get that guy. <laughs> that I think for me, Phil Nevin's kind of one of those guys. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a very good coach when it when it's all said and done at, at third base at least you know like I love Dino Ebel I'm surprised Dino I mean I know why he hasn't but I, I'm surprised Dino hasn't gotten a a managerial job yet just because of how smart he is and I mean you look at what he's doing with uh with the Dodgers right now it's it's quite impressive but it also shows how important these things are you know I, I think the Angels need some good coaching and not saying that the Angels don't have good coaching but I think the Angels. I think this needs to be prioritized for sure. I think it it kind of starts there. It's kind of where the where the tone is set, and yeah. So Nate, I don't know if you have anything else. I, I we it, it's a slow off season so far. I know we're gonna have quite a few guests come on in the upcoming days, and I'm excited to talk to them. But you have any final thoughts before we let everybody go? No, I, I think uh, you hit the nail around the head. It's it's really slow, and hopefully, some of these free agents understand that. Uh, it's safer to take the money before um, everything goes down with the CBA. So hopefully these guys, I know Seeger and it seems like Seeger and Simeon, uh, possibly Correa, kind of understand that. So maybe we get some clarification on where some of these shortstops are going a little bit faster than, uh, than in years past. But I, I think that this needs to happen quickly for some of these guys. Absolutely. So, and, uh, and don't count anything out when it comes to the Angels. I'll, I'll say that right now. You know, when yeah, I, I think that their past kind of shows that. So, guys, just want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you could subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and leave us a review, whether it's good or bad, give us a review if you like it. Uh, let us know how we can get better. You know, so if you want to come on and and do a little talking fans with us, you can shoot us a message at Talking Halos on Twitter. You can shoot a, shoot myself a message on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. And you can shoot Nate a message at Nate Green 34 He loves to be bothered. He loves to argue with people. So go follow him and, and, and do all that stuff. So, guys, thanks for so much for listening to this podcast, and have a great rest of your day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.